Well, it's summertime. And so people are thinking about going on vacation, traveling, visiting the beach, doing all kinds of things. And one thing you're going to run into a lot this summer will be seasonal businesses. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey there. I've I've gotten lots of questions over the years about seasonal businesses. And a lot of the times the whole notion of a seasonal business is brought up as a negative in that, you know, people say, well, what can I do to smooth out the cash flow through the off season? Or or what can I pair, you know, with this lawn maintenance business to give us business in the wintertime? So should we get into snow removal, Christmas decorations, that kind of thing? And what I want to talk about today is that the reality of many seasonal businesses is that there's a whole world of operators, owners, and yes, even employees who actually embrace the notion of seasonality in a business. And so we're going to be talking about that today because it may not be something that you've considered um, if you're out there looking to buy a business. Uh, if you own a business that's a seasonal business, then this is going to be something that you live with all the time. And uh, I'm going to say a lot of things here today. And if you agree or disagree with me, please comment down below uh, and let me know your thoughts about uh, about the way it looks in your seasonal business. So the very first thing I want to say about seasonal businesses is that unlike year-round continuous businesses, a seasonal business can really give you a sense of a cycle in the business. So there's a, a startup every year, an operational period every year, and then a wind down close up period every year. And so you really get to encapsulate the activity of what we did this year in, in one fell swoop. And oftentimes, if you set up the business uh, with some advice, what you might do is put your fiscal year end somewhere in the off time so that your financial statements for the year really capture that entire cycle. Um, and so it makes it really easy to compare one year to the next. Uh, it gives you a chance to really understand, you know, the, the cyclicality of the business. So a lot of the times when I'm talking with people who run these businesses that just kind of operate continuously, um, particularly if they're involved in things like construction and stuff, um, you might have a project that stretches beyond a year. And so those people will look at their financial statements and they have a hard time conceptualizing why some years are better than others. And, and they can't really say, well, this year contained a certain project because the big project might have spanned several periods, right? And so the seasonal business, typically you have that one operating period that it's easy to get your head around. Now, many people will believe or tend to think about seasonal businesses as rather small businesses. Um, and that's what we talk about on this channel. But I'd like to point the out the fact that there are some incredibly enormous corporate concerns out there, which are also seasonal businesses, namely major league sports, right? If you think about it this way, um, there's a baseball season, there's a hockey season, et cetera. And so those businesses are all geared around an annual cyclicality that many small seasonal businesses are also going to mirror. So 
Is it true that most small businesses that are seasonal tend to be more of a lifestyle-oriented business? Um, I've seen examples of cases that were very lifestyle-oriented and others that were not. And so, so let me give you some examples. I'm gonna, I've written down a list here of some different examples. So uh, I live in Canada. And so I know a food truck operator, for example, who operates a food truck during all the nice seasonal weather that we have here. And then in the wintertime, they completely shut down their business and they go off to another country to spend several months enjoying a relaxing extended vacation. Now, that is the epitome of lifestyle seasonal business. And many people will think, hmm, do I want to get into a business like that where I'm going to have to save up to live through that, that off season? Um, and, and what is that going to mean for the value of the business? The vast majority of businesses that are ever sold are sold to other individual buyers. And so one of the things I, I like to point out is that if you develop a really great lifestyle business, chances are when it comes time to sell, you're going to find an individual that is interested in stepping into your lifestyle. So there certainly is a market for lifestyle businesses. And the food truck example would be a great one. A more Now, in that food truck season, obviously, there's enough time to earn enough money to support yourself in the off season, which would be the smaller portion of the year. I've seen even more extreme examples of lifestyle businesses. For example, here in Eastern Canada, we produce maple sugar, uh, maple syrup. And so the maple syrup business is an extreme seasonal business uh, because you basically have what could be six to 10 weeks when the sap is running and you're making maple syrup. And a lot of these sugar shacks that where they produce maple syrup will also do things like have some kind of consumer experience where people can go out to the sugar shack, see the maple syrup being made, uh, do taffy on the snow kind of thing. A lot of them will do like a pancake breakfast where you go out there, you you bring a $20 bill and you get to have you know breakfast, pancakes, some homemade baked beans, uh, coffee, et cetera. And you have this whole breakfast experience. But this is a business that is open basically Saturday and Sunday for six, usually six, eight, maybe 10 weekends of the year. And so it poses a different kind of set of problems because now you're talking about a business that is so short-lived that very few people are ever going to make their full-time living off of that business. It's really more of a side hustle for the owners of the business as well as for the employees. And a lot of the time when people you know, bring up the, the, the nasty parts of seasonal businesses, what they will talk about often is the challenge for employment. How do I get employees that are willing to work this seasonal cycle, right? Um, and so in the case of something like the sugar shack, you're not going to get somebody to leave a job to come work in your seasonal maple syrup business for six weeks of the year, right? No one's going to do that. And so those businesses have a challenge of piecing together a labor force of people who are going to take their weekend off from their regular job and come and work for you in that business just for that short period of time. So, so what's in it for them, right? Well, I've seen instances where these maple sugar operations are staffed entirely by extended family, right? So people are relying upon those family relationships to be able to find the labor to make the business run. In other cases, it's people who look at this as a little boost to their income. So they've got a nine to five job, 
but they know that every spring they're going to go work those six weekends and pocket some extra cash that they're going to be able to use for their own summer vacation or something like that, right? And so finding people who are going to fit into that format of employment is going to be a bit more of a challenge. When it comes to the longer seasonal businesses, things like you know a ski resort or uh, a summer seasonal business that might be open for seven months of the year, um, it's a little bit different because people then are often able to work long enough in the seasonal business to qualify for unemployment benefits. And while a seasonal business may provide some lifestyle perks to its owner, who can then go do something during the off months, the same thing applies to employees in a lot of cases, especially if they can qualify for unemployment benefits. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of a joke here in the region where I live, where you will have people who will work for several months in the summertime in one industry, and then other industries who could employ them in the off season can't find workers because the people get on unemployment benefits and then they actually don't want the jobs that are available because they've got their off season hobbies that they want to indulge. And so those people, you know, they have a certain lifestyle cyclicality that they're looking for too, that the life that the seasonal business is able to provide for them. Now um, I mentioned, for example, um, how a lot of these businesses that are seasonal are small lifestyle businesses, but there are actually large corporate businesses that operate on very tight seasonal cycles as well. And so the last example I'm going to give is a store that pops up here every year, sometime in the middle of September, uh, and they're called Spirit Halloween. And the reason I like to use them as an example is because I know from visiting their website that they often open 60 to 70 stores across Canada, and there are similar operators in the US. And what these guys do is they come every year at the end of the summer, they find a retail location that is vacant, and they make some kind of short-term leasing arrangement with the landlord, and they move in, and they completely set up a retail store, hire an entire staff, stock the store, open the store, serve the customers, do all of this stuff. And that, that whole thing is packed up uh, by the middle of November. And I don't know what happens to the old stock goes into storage containers or something. Uh, but this business completely unfolds itself, operates and shuts itself down over the span of two and a half months. And they do it every year with dozens of locations across the country. So this is one of the examples that's going to lead into what I would really like to talk about today is that oftentimes when you have a seasonal business, people will say, well, you know, we already talked about the staff. How do I get staff that are going to stay with me for the long haul? And the reason why people are so focused on that is because they understand that if you have a great employee who knows their job and wants to do good work and serve the customers, et cetera, that that employee is an asset. No argument there. Good businesses are built with good employees. When you get into a seasonal business, especially these shorter seasonal businesses, you then actually have to step back and think, what if I know for sure that I can't keep good employees? What if I know that every year when I open, I need to start from scratch and train people on how to do everything, right? And so it's an interesting mental exercise to go through because what it then forces you to do as a business owner is it forces you to create 
these systems for how you're going to, number one, find employees that are suitable. Number two, train them in a very short amount of time, train them effectively so they can become effective and efficient with the customers within a couple of days or a week, right? And not necessarily with a great deal of supervision because maybe even the supervisors are changing every year, right? And so if you, if you imagine this is your scenario, then you realize, okay, I have to have a high degree of systematization within my organization so that I've got documented things. Like I can hand something to a new hire and say, read through this manual, or maybe I send them a PDF and I say, read through this manual, click the hyperlinks, which go to embedded YouTube videos where I've recorded people in prior seasons doing these different things. And these are the things I want you to do, right? So you've got this entire training module built up that you can give to people so that they can show up on day one already being familiar with what it is that they're going to be doing. That everything in the business is highly systematized, where we keep certain things, how we do certain things, how we you know, do the inventory, how we track this, how we do that. It's all organized, systematized, and it's not up here. It's documented or it's being facilitated by apps on people's phones or on tablets that are in the business, whatever the systems are that you happen to implement. So that every year, you know, you can start up and go and just make it happen, right? And so once you've adopted that kind of business style, your fear about the employees evaporates because then you know, you know, it doesn't matter if any of my employees return or not. I'm ready to do this from scratch every year and unfold it every time, right? And I... And, and so it can be very liberating. It can be it can be really something that a lot of you might want to consider, especially if you like to travel. You know, if you like to go and do different things, and you think that owning a business might tie you down somehow and make it so that you're not able to get away. I, I meet so many people through my consulting calls who are like. I want to buy a business and I want to systematize things and I want to get an operator in place so I can leave them in charge so I can go and you know be able to take two weeks to go to Brazil or something. Well, an alternative to that could be that you buy a small, affordable, seasonal business where you're the operator, but for you know two and a half to three months every year, you're free to go do all the traveling you want. And then when at the start of the season, you hunker down and you execute and you operate the season, you do the business hire your staff, train them, get them operating, and then you wind everything up and then you're free again, right? That can be an alternative for someone who wants to get away. And it can be a lot more accessible than, you know, buying that larger business and getting someone who's competent and qualified to be an operator and who can really take care of everything while you want to be disconnected from the business. So the other key thing, though, about seasonal businesses are is the cash flow cycle. So in the beginning of the season, you're going to be spending money on stuff. You're going to be spending money on payroll. Money's going to be going out the door. And there may be huge outlays before money starts to flow back in from your customers. And then at the end of the year, then you have maybe costs associated with winding up, et cetera. These businesses can require a lot more planning. And if you buy one and you borrow money to buy the business, the other you know, strain that can be put upon you is what if I have to continue to make payments on those loans 
through the times of year where I don't have a lot of money coming in, right? You have to have excellent cash flow forecasting if that's a scenario that you're in. Um, you know, and speaking of cash flow forecasting, like I, over at bizplanschool.com, if you want to learn how to be better at cash flow forecasting, um, that's where I have a program. It's a 13 week program. It's more like a college course where you take a blank Excel spreadsheet and you build an entire business model. And a couple of the example businesses throughout that program are seasonal businesses, by the way. So that's at bizplanschool.com, B-I-Z or B-I-Z planschool.com. But um, when you finance these businesses, the, to put yourself in the best position for success, ideally what you want to have is you want to have a payment structure that mirrors the cash flow of the business. Now, there are some institutional lenders who are open to this. Um, I know of one bank in particular that uh, will entertain payments based on seasonality and business. So what does that look like? It looks like uh, where you agree that you're going to make monthly payments for certain months of the year and that the rest of the year, the interest just accrues on the loan. So it can be a very different kind of amortization schedule. But if you know that your cash flow is only going to be really rolling for six or seven months of the year, then that's something that you want to look at. And it's certainly something that I've helped people do with, with, uh, with seller notes over the course of my career. Um, when I had my business brokerage office open, there were several seasonal businesses that I helped to sell. And that's what we did is we matched cash flow to, um, to the payments. And so sometimes it meant that the note itself would say that payments were only made certain, during certain months of the year. And we would build the amortization schedule that facilitated that, or we would leave it optional. So we would have in there, for example, you know, here's the payment and here's the amortization schedule. And we would say that the buyer has the option of interest only payments in January, February, and March, for example, each year. And if the buyer exercises that option, the amortization is extended by a month. So, so what it means basically is the person makes the interest payment, for example, in January, and the amortization schedule just crystallizes. Whatever that line was for January just kind of moves to February the whole thing just shifts down. So ultimately the seller would end up collecting more interest on that, but the buyer has the option of preserving their cash at the time of year when their, their inflows of cash would be lowest. So thank you very much. If uh, Again, if you want help to learn about uh, how to create those uh, cash flow forecasts, head over to bizplanschool.com. If, um, if you need help with organizing the business, if you say, you know, how do I compartmentalize and document and create packages for training and all that kind of stuff? How do I, you know, prepare myself to hire an entire staff from top to bottom, all the jobs, all in one week, for example, and get everyone up and running quickly? Well, you're going to learn that over at easysmallbizsystems.com, which is where I've got my program, Build a Business That People Will Want to Buy, which is all about how to organize, structure, uh, and create the systems, training documents, uh, job descriptions, all that kind of stuff for a small business. Um, I've been teaching that one for over 10 years. And uh, there's different leadership organizations here locally that have me come out and do it live a couple times a year. 
So, uh, and, a, and a lot of you have done that program too, and I've had lots of great positive feedback about that. So those are the two places where I can help you. Um, and with that, I'll say, see you later. So, um, and just in parting, don't, uh, don't snub up your nose at a seasonal business. Uh, sometimes they are great opportunities and it can also provide you with some of the, some of the nicer things in life, um, such as travel and time off and vacation, uh, without necessarily having to build something that is so big and complicated that you can put a high level, you know, operator type person in there, uh, which can cost a lot of money. And for a lot of the businesses that are available out there in the small business world, um, I think it's better to do a deal and get yourself in business more quickly rather than waiting for, you know, the perfect thing that is going to give you everything you want. Uh, and sometimes a seasonal business may be the thing that you're looking for. And with that, I'll say see you later. And uh, we'll exit here with uh, a word from uh, this week's video sponsor. Special thanks go to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.